1: From the antiup headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia Poker Cast, And now, here
0: are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 13th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza,
1: And I'm Scott Long.
0: I'm I can't to wait to, the to talk to, to you about Ohio. this.
1: <laughs> You're in Ohio? Yes, I'm in, I'm in Ohio now, yeah. Did
0: you say it was the great state?
1: It is a great state.
0: I always wonder what makes it the great state because they always say it like when you're watching the news and somebody – or somebody is doing some sort of campaign from there or something. They're like, come to you from the great state of – and then they decide to say the Commonwealth of Virginia or they never – you know what I mean? It's like who makes a decision to say that and what, what makes it the great state? Like the great hey, it's state all of-
1: marketing. It's, it's all marketing. It's proven by our president now. I usually say it. It doesn't have to be right. Just how to say it. So, oh, okay. Uh, but so I would say Ohio is great uh, for lots of reasons, starting with and ending with the fact that I was born here. So that's right. you know, any state that could survive me for 24 years,
0: <laughs> and your wife too. Your wife, right? She lived there. Uh,
1: yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That. that
0: yeah. So there you right. go. Double, <laughs> doubly good. Doubly great. Twice great. Ohio State.
1: Oh man! All right. Well, that's a good segue into our first item here because uh, we're I'm up here in Ohio for a couple of days. We're visiting my wife's in laws. Um, and staying in her college town and you know, reliving all of her college stuff, which includes a lot of $8 pitchers of beer, which I love. But nice. Uh, nice. So, uh, a couple days ago, we were over at uh, at the in-laws' house, and uh, uh, my father-in-law said, uh, let's play some poker. I'm like, all right. And so four of us sat around the table, and uh, and he's like, what game should we play? And I'm like, you tell me. And so he wanted to play a five-card stud, but no one else understood it. And I'm like, I can't, I, I can't teach a bunch of people new game today. It, there's gotta be a game here we all know, like crazy eights, it doesn't have to be poker, right? Right. It's like what about A C Doocy And I'm like, Wow, you know, I gotta I, I can't believe this, but I don't think I've ever played A C Doocy And he's like, <laughs> Oh, it's easy, and he explained it to me. I'm like, Oh, card sharks He's like, Yeah <laughs> Card Sharks, that's right. Sort of higher, Hi oh, lower. Cool. So my wife, my wife said, "Oh, card shark. Yeah, okay, I know." So well, then, so we had to like, you know, figure out the, the mechanics of it, right? And so he's explaining the way he played it back in his army days, right? And I'm like, "All right, that makes sense." And then, um, except for one part, um, I figured every hand you would you would need an ante to build a pot, right? Yeah. Um, and he's like, "That's not the way he played. We all put uh, five chips in." to build a pot and then uh, if you folded your hand uh, you didn't owe anything um, but obviously you can wager anything and up to what's in the pot um, I'm assuming everybody else in the world knows AC Ducey, other than me, right?
0: <laughs> I think so because I learned it as a child and it <laughs> scarred me as a child believe it or not. My parents went away to the Poconos and I was staying with the neighbors and they were like, hey, you want to play AC Ducey?" And I was like 8 or 7 or something and I'm like, yeah, let's play and they had pennies and they gave me pennies to play with and it was a huge pot huge pot and I had ace-deuce and I bet everything I had and I had a ton of money in front of me and an ace or a deuce came I can't remember which one it was now but I cried like the whole night I couldn't sleep I bawled my eyes out.
1: Hey, and, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, it doesn't change the older you get
0: <laughs> It damaged me, so I'm yeah. sure you're pretty damaged
1: <laughs> and, uh, If you lose, uh, you're going to cry no matter how old you are
0: <laughs> Man, it damaged me really bad when, Even when I saw it on the, the notes for the show, I kind of got chills
1: <laughs> A little flashback
0: Yeah, I was like, oh man, this is not good It scared me, man I, I hated that game I loved it when I was playing it And then it was over in an instant It wasn't even my money it was my yeah. money if I got to walk away with it, but they were let me use you know, they gave me a little loan or whatever it was and oh man. So yeah, I think everybody knows how to play two, so You get put two it, cards.
1: Two cards and you have to you can either fold or you can wager one ship up to what's in the pot that the third card that's gonna dealt to, to you will be in between the two. Yeah. Um, so pretty simple, right? Uh, but so first of all, they, they break out the cards, and they are those big sea from space cards that you used to play with back <laughs> yes. in the day. Remember yes. those? Yes. Here's the thing is my father-in-law has had like, glaucoma surgery, so I know why he needs them. I don't know what your excuse ever was, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're playing with these massive cards. And then, uh, so then we're trying to figure out how to play. So he says, like, you know, we all put five in to start a pot. I'm like, all right, that's a pretty big pot. That's twenty chips in there already. And we're just playing for fun the first day, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but but I really thought that you should have to put something in every time. Uh, but he says that's not the way we played. So we we play a couple rounds, and I I get curious. So I'm just talking out loud. I'm like, I'm like, this is fine, but I I wonder if we're we're missing anything here. So then I. I get on the phone to kind of look at the um, the official rules, and it turns out that uh, everybody has their own version of the official rules. Crazy, <laughs> oh sure. So pretty much any way you want to play it, there's somebody on the internet that's telling you how to, you can play it that way, right? So, so we played it uh, for fun that day, and then uh, we came the next day with dime. So we decided to play for a dime a chip, and. Um, and they're like, all right, so you did all this research, Scott, last night. How do you want to play? And I'm like, I really think that we should have to ante every hand. Uh, I think that's going to build a bigger pot. So my father-in-law hated that idea, but we started. And when you start that way, and I'm going to be interested to hear your, your opinion on this, right? So okay. um, so his version, you start with 20 in the middle. The, somebody wins the entire pot, then everybody re-antes the five. So there's at least 20 to start with, which is a nice pot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, my way we all anteed one to begin with to start the pot so there was a, and, uh, my brother-in-law joined us yesterday for the cash game <laughs> so, five, so you start with only five in there um, so the first couple of rounds the pot doesn't get very big because people are only betting up to five and a lot of people are winning the pot and then we keep re-anting but then as I expected expect, uh, uh, and expected I guess um, eventually we ended up with seven eight dollars in that pot because of the antes every time yeah And, um, you know, I think it forces you to play gamble a little bit more because, you know, there's very little strategy in this. I mean, I figured out some as I went. But for the most part, you know, the math says, you know, it's a losing proposition unless you have a spread of eight in between, right? So, you know, if you're going to, you know, either be a monkey or a robot, (laughs) you just – if you've got eight, you bet. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, An eight eight spread, you bet. If not, you don't, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're anting every time and your and your stack is dwindling, it forces you to like play those edges a little more. I think that's my my thought. No, my father-in-law hated it the entire time. But played it that way. But we end up with massive pots that way. I thought so.
0: Well, um, I like the massive pots thing cause one of the things that I didn't I don't remember from my childhood was whether or not you know you could only bet what was in front of you, like table stakes. Or like, if there was twenty dollars in the pot and you had three in front of you, could you still say I bet the pot and then have to put out and prove and cover it? Or can you only bet what's in front of you? So I'm assuming you can only bet what's in front of you, right?
1: Again, I guess everybody has their own rules, but we we play table stakes. So if you only had three in front of you and there's twenty in the pot, you could only lose three. You could only win three.
0: But I'm not entirely certain that your strategy of having a spread of eight was the way to bet because if there's twelve dollars in the pot and you can bet a dime. You can go for one-outers if you wanted to. I mean, so I'm saying. I don't know.
1: But I think what what they said is the math long-term if you continue to bet less than the eight spread. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it depends on how you bet. So the funny thing was that my father-in-law, even when he had really big spreads, he would bet one. (laughs) (laughs) He would bet one? And then he would win, and he'd get one back, and he's like, well, I didn't win anything because of the ante. And we're like, yeah, because you didn't bet anything. (laughs) That's right. Don't quit blaming the ante. You know, if you've got a good hand, you got to bet 5 or 10 or 20. But you keep betting one, you're going to either lose, and now you've lost two, or you're going to win, and you've really just won your ante back. <laughs> 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 just couldn't wrap his head around that. So he hated that. He hated that the entire day. He was bitching about it all day long. But...
0: Uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's a chance for me to uh, face my fears and get over it now and play this game with the mathematical odds that I now know in my head from playing poker all these years. Maybe I would do much better and, and feel better about this game now.
1: Well, in terms of the minor strategy, that's why I said it's a very minor strategy because it's you know it's, it's essentially a kid's game, right? Right. But, uh, one is uh, is deciding how much to bet. I mean, obviously, if you have an ace-deuce, you're going to bet everything, right? Because the only thing that can kill you is an ace or a deuce. Um, and if you have some of those other spreads, like King, Deuce, or whatever, um, then you're probably going to do it. But if you have, like, those closer spreads, then then you're not going to bet at all, I don't think, you know. And particularly if you want to take a shot at a five spread, which is not terrible, you bet a couple, right? So I think it comes out, the, again, just like a poker, it's betting and figuring out the long-term because I was I was in three buy-ins and then I ended up winning like everything on the table. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, I saw the photo on Facebook. I'm like, I do it
1: it just depends on the swings and you got to wait your wait you wait your time and uh, and the other thing we did is most of the rules say that everybody gets their hand first so no nobody else sees anybody else's hand you act on your hand and then you deal two cards out to the next one we actually dealt cards out to everybody so you could see what everybody else's hands were which i thought added a little bit more strategy to it because no you're out what happened was you would see all right so you know, my brother-in-law had Queen Trey, so you knew he was going to bet big on the pot when he got there, so I might as well get my money in before it gets to him. Yeah. Uh, because he's probably going to win that pot, and there's going to be nothing left in the next round. So even though I only have, like, a seven spread or a six spread, i, I got to get some money out of that, right? Did your button move?
0: Like, did you have a button that moved? Otherwise, somebody would always have
1: all the chips if yeah, they wanted. Uh, yeah. yeah, we pass the deal every, every hand. So okay, cool. Kid, um. And then one of the variations that I liked and we, we did on there is if you, if you pair one of your – well, there's two things. One, if you pair your cards So let's say you have like uh, eight deuce, right? And then you bet. And then if you got an eight or a deuce, you had to pay twice. Wow. So no strategy there, but it's a little more pot feeding, right? But what if you're all in? And then he, No, it's table stakes. So uh, that's Same the one thing. So twice. when you have ace deuce, because of course, my father, you knew this would happen because my father-in-law was bitching the entire time, right? So he gets ace deuce, goes all in, and hits a deuce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the good news is you don't know double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. So the other variation is if you get dealt a pair, um, uh, my father-in-law said you get to split them, and then you get two hands. And uh, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, other people said, no, you've got to do it higher or lower um, online. I'm talking about. Oh, okay. At um, higher or lower on that. So when we, we played for money, I'm like, we're going to do the split thing, but you have to ante twice because now you have two hands. So you got to throw another ante chip in. And of course, you hated that. <laughs> hey, blackjack rules. Another ante. So, um, so you had two shots at the, uh, the apple at that point. I thought that was kind of fun, too. So, Very interesting. Yeah. So
0: I'm you know. glad you kind of got poker into this conversation because t- 10 minutes of the show has basically been dedicated to. AC Deucey here. I'm glad you got poker in there somehow.
1: <laughs> Alright, well there is a lot of poker going on in the world, so uh, here's this week's uh, World Series Poker Update. Uh, there are just 26 players representing 11 nations remaining in the main event with Aram Zobian of the United States, a chip leader with more than 41 million. Other notables still alive, 2009 World Champ, Joe Cotta. Sylvan Loosely, who finished fourth in 2013, and two-time bracelet winner Eric Froelich. Kelly Minkin was the last woman left for the second time, finishing 50th this year after finishing 29th in 2015. And then I know you want to talk about this. Phil Homme uh, <laughs> gave away the strength, or more appropriate, weakness of his hand uh, with an obscene rant. Well, three-handed. Um, and you can debate this, but it seemed likely because of what he was saying, um, the guy in between decided to call... And that knocked a guy out of the main event and then after he cooled down, after he got inflamed by a bunch of people, uh he uh, decided to buy the guy back into the main event or into the main event
0: next year. Next year, yeah. Uh well we can start with the other stuff first. Uh Joe Cotta, I think uh I think I was watching and it was um Norm Chad said that he felt like Joe it might have been him, it might have been someone else, but I think Norman Chad said Joe Cotta is like his pick for the one who could literally be the person that wins two main events in this new era new era yeah that's, uh, and he and he's obviously proving the fact that he could do it 26 people left and he's one of them and so we, I told, we tell everybody we're doing the show on wednesday uh because scott's out of town so you know you may be here in the show and they're down to the final table who knows so um but yeah i think joe cotta is one of those guys that he's young and he's just getting better every year and he's winning bracelets and you know and frolic too frolic's a genius so those guys, that that's cool. you got some pretty decent names. They're still alive with the final what three tables. So
1: I have twenty six, and another one finished eleventh a couple of years ago. I didn't put that on the notes. So I mean, these are people that have had the experience of running deep in this tournament. Um, and Joe has, I think, a little less than nine million. Chip leader's forty one million, so he's towards the bottom of the twenty six. But you know, I think when you get to that point, um, as we saw with Jerry Yang, right, it doesn't yep. really matter. Doesn't you really know? matter. That's right. You, get a you good know. Level up, and then. Um, the uh, fortunes change very quickly so it'll be interesting to see how it um how it plays out here
0: yeah and kelly minkin that's a fantastic story that reminds me of like a dan harrington type story you know just being able to you know be the best out there for two out of the last four uh, world series that's you know phenomenal but again they, they i don't know about you if you watched any of it or not but i watched a little bit every once in a while i'll be flicking through channels i'm like oh yeah let's let's catch up a little bit on what's going on and you know, they make that comment every once in a while. Still less than five percent of the field were women.
1: Yeah, so only about three hundred I think out of the whatever, six thousand, seven thousand, yeah, whatever it was. Almost, this year. almost eight thousand. Yeah, it yeah. was crazy when yeah. I saw that stat. Um another stat I forgot to put on here too, but uh eighty eight nations were represented this year, you know. You know, forget the World Cup. It's only thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, eighty-eight in here. And then I, I this is why I, I specifically put it on here. Of the twenty-six left, they represent eleven different nations. So only like uh, that's an eighth of it entered with twenty-six players left. Wow. So it's very, very international final here. So I, mean, I guess we'll see what the final table looks like. But I think that's pretty cool. Once again, showing that this is a world uh, game.
0: And what do you think about this helmet thing? I, to me, I'm just. Look, it feels like, it, you know, how many years now have we been hearing he's only like that at the table, and he's such a generous guy away from the table, he's so nice, and he's got this persona away from poker that is this great guy, But and he just takes his job so seriously that he can't control himself. I mean, is there, is there a point in life where you're saying, you know what, I just don't buy it anymore? I mean, I don't know. Fourteen bracelets, the guy obviously is the greatest probably one of the greatest tournament players to ever ever grace the game Uh, i shouldn't say grace because that's probably not the right word either but i I just after some point you got to be like come on phil really seriously you know that's against the rules if anybody should know the rules it's you and you cost this guy a main event and then on top of it like you said after you got flamed on social media and even on actual television yeah yeah You know, broadcast everyone's like, you can't do that. That he buys this guy in, and you know, that's kind of cool that he did that. And but at the same time, one, it seems like he got guilted into it. Two, that's not the same thing. This guy was around for day 2C, but now he's got to make plans to go back again next year and try again. And you know, it's just I don't know. To me, I I used to like Phil, you know, I used to like his rant stuff, it made it entertaining to watch him and stuff. And I kind of believed that whole. Yeah, he's like Andrew Dice Clay, where on stage he's a jerk, and then in real life he's just this, you know, normal guy that's nice and generous and stuff, but I don't know, I just can't, I can't see somebody being that way, because if you know you can be a normal person, you can be a normal person, and he broke the rules too, I think he thinks that he's bigger and more important than everybody else.
1: Yeah, well, I, I've never been a big fan of him. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Back when he first won his title, I think I talked about this on the show, I'm like, oh my god, that guy looks just like me, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I was a fan of him back then, but once he started the, this new persona, uh, I've, I've never liked it. But but I am willing to admit that from from all accounts he is a generous guy away from the table. Um, so, But you're right, so if you, if you actually are that person in real life, you can be that person at the table. But again, part of his persona is being this jerk at the table, right? So, that's fine, but you have to do it when it's right. It's different when the hand's over and you want to walk around safe. If it wasn't for luck, I'd win everything and kick a bunch of chairs over. That's fine. That's You're not affecting anything. Well, I shouldn't say fine, but it's, it's, you're not affecting anything. Right, again. you're not hurting someone else. But in the middle of a hand, you're right. I mean, this guy's been playing for years. He knows what he's doing here. He knows by his rant right there that... Uh, that you are affecting the action and again we don't know what would have happened but it certainly seems likely that the guy in the middle said okay well Phil's holding so I don't have to worry about him so now I'll call and he ended up spiking the deuce I think right to knock the guy out Um, so um, man who knows whether Phil would have stayed you know all kinds of things like that but it it doesn't change the fact that you shouldn't be talking in the middle of the hand in a three way pot at all yeah um, and, you know, I think the criticism is that, you know, he gets away with this, right? He doesn't get the penalties that other people do because people, oh, that's Phil. And that, that's wrong. Right? That's you really wrong. This persona of being a bad guy and people are like, ah, oh, forget it. That's just who he is, right? Which is kind of like what we talked about in last week's show with that, uh, what's the old guy, Brent, that won the bet with pennies, right? And yeah, yeah, Brent. Defensive everybody was like, oh, that's just him. Well, no, that's not a defense. You know, you play the right way that you don't play and you don't get special rules because. You've developed this persona of somebody that breaks the rules, or so. Um, so you know, it's nice that he woke up the next morning and whether he's guilted into it or not, decided to buy this guy in. But you're right, it doesn't change. I mean, the guy already made some progress in this tournament, so you can't buy him into day two. Right? Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly.
0: And plus, you know, what if the guy was from like you know New Hampshire or something? You gotta pay, you're, gonna, you're gonna pay his airfare to go back out and try again. You're gonna pay all his meals and all. You know, I mean, no, you're just gonna give him just give him the ten grand. <laughs> so here's ten grand. And then, if you want to play next year, play on me. I'm sorry, you know. That, at least that, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. I just, and I don't want to rant any longer about him because then I start to feed into his whole persona and stuff. But it just doesn't seem right that he broke the rules and didn't get called on it uh, by the by the actual people who worked the
1: World Series. And I would say the key here isn't that he bought the guy. Yeah. The key is whether he stops doing this going forward. I mean, not yeah. not the rants and the thing, but you know, if it, once if it sometime. Later in this tournament, or because um, there's still other events going on at the World Series, um, or next year, or, or wherever, you know, he does this again. That's at that point, then, you know, the $10,000 he's buying this guy I mean, is absolutely meaningless at that yeah, point. Yeah, right? absolutely. All right. Well, there's another great World Championship going on, and it has our name on it. Yay. Uh, the Indian World Championship is off and running at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California. I will be out there starting on Monday and be out there through the end, so come out and say hi. Uh, but the action's not going to wait for me, so get out there and start playing before I get out there. That's right. Um, and as usual, it started off with a bang. Um, event number one attracted 342 entries, which is just phenomenal. Um, a couple new events every year. I mean, Ben and our, our good friend out there, is always tweaking and trying to make this a little bit better. So... Um, um, I don't know whether I would play this event, but maybe we could talk about it a little bit. But uh, one of the new events this year um, was a $160 winner-take-all tournament. But before you've grown, um, it's a $100 bounty. So of the 60, you know, the 60 left over, it was for the prize pool and the, the rake. Um, and still ended up with a pretty decent prize pool. Um, ended, up, ended with three-way deals, so we didn't get a winner-take-all. But the winner um, walked away with twenty five eighty six. And I'm sure a whole bunch of bounties. So that's not bad um, to get twenty five eighty six and one sixty plus the bounties, right? Yeah, the bounties too. Yep. uh, um, So I don't know. What do you think about that tournament?
0: I think that's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. It depends on your style of game too. If you're the type of person that can build a big stack quickly and then knock people out and things like that, then it's like holy cow. The other thing is that all you need is one bounty, and then you're playing a sixty dollar tournament for fun. And then after that, you know, in, in the The we're in the age of chops. You know what I mean. Like if this was a long time ago, you know, I think when we had uh, what's Mike Carroll on the show years ago, he would say how he didn't really like to play tournaments unless they were winner take all, because he felt like right. So now here's a case where of course there's a chop. You knew there was going to be a chop, but um, some people when they true it's going to truly test those people who say I only play to win. Yeah, you know, okay. Well, here's your chance because you're only gonna make money if you win. I mean, you got bounties to kind of as insurance policy, and you will make your money back if you make the final table. Obviously, you'll have knocked out probably two or three people at least at that point. But uh, it's interesting. I think it's cool because it's such a large bounty. Then you're like, all right, I right, can just knock this guy out, and then it changes your strategy too. It there's always a new wrinkle in poker. You know, whether it's the big blind aunties now that are making things, you know, interesting. Or there's always a way to make poker interesting. And I think this does make poker, this tournament, very interesting to me. I I like those bounties. We used to play a lot down at uh, one Eye Jacks. And we played their Monday bounty tournament or something. You and I would drive down there. And I used to love that. I, we get the bounties, I just throw them to the dealer most of the time. But, you know, if I kept tipping the same dealer i'd keep a couple just to try to get some money out of it or whatever but for the most part i mean in this case i don't think these guys are throwing a hundred dollar chips to, to the yeah. dealers but um that's kind of cool the fact that if you knock out two guys you've got your money back and now you're playing free rolling to try to make you know to the you know chop or whatever you
1: know you knew there's going to be a chop but um, yeah I like and, it. And there was a chop but it was a very lopsided chop i mean uh, this winner got the the lion the lion's share of the um the prize pool. So uh, the other two took a much smaller men. so it wasn't an even, even job. But yeah, you're right. When you get down there, you have to assume it's going to be a chop. I like it but, though. I like it. I like the idea of it. Yeah, you've got to be aggressive in this. You don't, you're not going to win any money in this if you don't. Right. You're right. You knock two people out and, and now you, you won 40 bucks and, and you're free rolling on the rest. But to get to the rest, you still have to knock people out because yeah. you know? <laughs> only one or you have to wait and then hope that there's a job. So um, so it's interesting. I probably would have tried it. I just, uh, I'm just i getting to the point now where I'm more aggressive early. But at least I know to switch your game up at that point. So yeah. if you're not generally an aggressive player, either you don't want to enter this or you get in and it forces you to be aggressive, which is probably the better way because now you you learn something playing a yeah. tournament. Yeah. Um, Terry, Klein, Felter won event number five. Nothing notable about that other than I just like the name for a poker tournament winner. Anybody has Felter in their name. Awesome.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? If you're uh, Richard Klein or... Kevin Klein, you don't want to yep. see this guy across yep. from you. <laughs> yep.
1: That'd be great. you know. be like, oh, yeah, no, I love you in A Fish Called Wanda. What's your name? Oh, Kleinfelter? Oh, man. That's not good.
0: You're going to be knocking me out of this tournament.
1: <laughs> uh, the $100,000 guaranteed catapult has five total flights. Uh, four more are yet to play. So if you're out there, go out and check it out. Um, but Day 1A attracted 184 players already, so that's going to be a, a massive tournament. That's only a $160 buy-in with a $100,000 guaranteed prize pool, which is way cool. Awesome. And then if you want to follow the action between shows, live updates are being posted by Hold'em Radio's Dan Ross, who is also our new Northern California ambassador. Welcome to the Team Dan. And uh, you can go to ThunderValleyResort.com slash casino slash poker slash blog or just go on the poker side, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, uh, for for updates as it goes on, and he's also updating uh, Thunder Valley Poker Room's Twitter feed at TV Poker Room um, for updates there. Um, and then, if you want more information on the series, of course, visit magazine.com slash World Championship.
0: Yeah, he's doing a hell of a job for us in Northern California. Great to have him aboard.
1: Uh,
0: okay, any updates. The schedule has been released for the Annie Up Poker Tour at Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 16th to the 26th. The series features 18 events, a dozen satellites or more. Uh, oh, and more than three. Sorry. While I'm talking to you, my phone went off. And it's like, I think somehow Siri, Siri thought I said something there. I don't know. Oh, Siri. That's what it was. I'm sorry. It totally threw me off. It's in the front of my face. And I'm like, what's going on my phone? So the series features 18 events. See, now it's doing it again. I can't say the word series in front of my phone without it going off. This is hilarious. She's talking
1: to me. You can solve this problem by getting a superior Android phone.
0: <laughs> oh, man. A dozen events and more than $350,000 in guaranteed prize money, with the winner of the main event appearing on the cover of Up Magazine. More info can be found at com slash Atlantis. And we love hearing from our fans, so if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or a call-to-floor submission, email us at podcast at com, or you can post in the Up fans group on Facebook, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at uh, aforementioned podcast at annieupmagazine dot com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do, with call to the floor and hand of the week, we send them something really cool. This week's prize: is a thirty minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker 911net Comes from Kevin Kurtz. He says, "I'm heading to Vegas for a work conference and naturally some poker." I'm a pure rec player. Most of my experience is a $0.25-$0.50 home game that we try to run as close to a casino game as we can. I'll be staying at the Flamingo, and on their website, I found this snippet. Quote, We offer 1-1 no limit with a $50 minimum buy-in and a $200 maximum buy-in. I've never played in a game where the small and big are the same, and I'm wondering if there are any tips or betting strategy that would be different in such a game. For instance... Do I open with a wider range out of position? Does bet sizing increase out of position or in the blinds? Any help would be wonderful.
1: Um, all right. I guess this is what I told him. is I don't think it fundamentally changes the game. Um, the one thing it does do that you have to be careful of is you're going to play a lot of more a lot more hands out of a small blind when you don't have to chuck in that extra dollar, right? Yeah. Um, now, in a one-two game, lots of people will chuck in that extra dollar anyhow. And as I keep saying, just because it's a... Uh, Discount doesn't make it a deal and you really shouldn't be chucking that dollar in with bad hands because you are in the worst position for the rest of the hand Um, Here if it gets limped around you're obviously not going to fold your small blind, So you're going to see a flop so you just need to be cognizant that You're going to see more flops from the worst position And even though you didn't put another dollar in to get there You have to be cognizant of the danger you could get into by playing those hands So I mean obviously if you flop big that's great, but you know, you get top pair, weak kicker, and then you start getting excited and you forget you're out of position. So I think that's the big thing for me. I mean, obviously some of the opening raises might be a little less because it's 1-1 instead of 1-2, but um, I, I don't think much else really changes. But
0: Yeah, I uh, mean, you are going to see uh, a lot because you're on the strip and the Flamingo is a lot of tourism. You're going to see a lot of limped hands and a lot of crazy combination of hands too. So I think playing a 1-1 game – while it, it encourages you to be looser because it's cheaper and there's 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 cheaper, you know, uh, raises, smaller raises and stuff like that, so you're going to be like, oh, I can just see a flop for three bucks, you know, or whatever because somebody raised You You also probably need to be a little more disciplined um, in this game, believe it or not. I know it sounds counterintuitive because, hey, I can loosen up here because it doesn't cost me that much, but ultimately it could cost you a ton. Because you're not playing a disciplined game and you're playing a game you're playing right into these guys who are limping with Jack Four. And you know what I mean? You can't put them on hands because they're playing for a dollar. So uh just be a little more disciplined, I think, uh believe it or not. Um and yeah, Scott's right, uh you know, you're gonna be playing a lot of hands uh for free out of position and you're with your small blind and that's gonna be some trouble. But most part, play make sure you're disciplined because even though it's cheap, it could end up costing you a lot more find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot to tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is set up at JZLM Playing Cards, the official playing cards of any of poker cruises, available at (laughs) ClassicPlayingCards.com.
1: Repetition is the key.
0: (laughs) Comes from Vic G. He says, I'm not much of a tournament player, but I've been reading in several poker blogs that players are making it a habit to use their cell phones to snap a photo of their chip stack just prior to departing the tournament table for scheduled breaks. They want to ensure that they'll return the same amount of chips as when they left. This is especially concerning during breaks when the tournament staff color up chip stacks and remove lower denomination chips. Several players have noted that when arriving back at the table, their chip stack had shrunk and that presenting the dealer with a photo of their chip stack was sufficient for the error to be corrected. They also noted that players who merely counted their chips and noticed the same discrepancy did not have their missing chips returned to them because they lacked this, quote, proof. What are your thoughts on the emerging practice of photographing your chip stack prior to breaks and should showing the dealer a photo be proof enough to correct any errors real or
1: imagined? I love the real or imagined part, by the yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. All right, Elliot says, uh, during color-ups and race-offs to tournament ships and during breaks, it is standard procedure to replace lower-denomination chips with higher-denomination chips when any player uh, has multiple stacks of soon-to-be obsolete chips. It serves no purpose for someone to have eight stacks of hundreds of the blinds and betting are in units of 1,000. Creating space for the players, increasing pace of play are the main reasons for this practice. Watching some selfish dolt bet 5,000 using only hundreds will make Even the most patient of us went to scream, Stop! Use your thousands! So yes, chip stacks have physically shrunk in size and volume, but the total value should be the same as before calling up or changing up was completed. If someone came to me with a photo on their phone, I would, after I stopped laughing out loud, (laughs) politely remind them that this means nothing. This photo doesn't necessarily have to be of their actual chips. Far be it for a poker player to use a photo of someone else's chips in order to be awarded more chips to replace the quote-unquote mistakenly removed chips. I'm quite sure that that would never happen, uh, as terminal players are 100% honest people that also just happen to never make a mistake or forget anything at any time. Uh, when players let us know of a possible discrepancy, we ask the dealer a supervisor to perform the changing out of the chips. After that, if it is needed, we get assistance from surveillance. Situations like these are fairly common and quite uh, usually quite simple to resolve. We don't accept photos from phones as any kind of proof or evidence, and we do not ever discount the word of anyone that doesn't have a photo. There are casinos, poker rooms, or bar leagues that are acting upon phone picks and nothing else. Please cease and desist. Players, leave the picks for Twitter and Instagram. We, the tournament operators, will use our own cameras and picks. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Remember the dealer told me I was SOL and I held up the World Series for yeah. like 29 minutes?
1: And I actually, uh, I was going back and forth with Vic on this. Because like, I, I told him, I'm like, a lot of what Elliot said. I'm like, I can't imagine any reputable poker room looking at your phone and going, oh, okay. I, yep. Our bad, here you go. Exactly. Uh, because as Ellie says, it's not just, uh, it could be somebody else's chips. I mean, wh- how do we know when you took that photo? I mean, I guess there's a time stamp maybe on it somewhere, but still, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. The whole notion of it is ridiculous. And if there are people out there talking about it, that it's happening, that's ridiculous. But anyhow, so I mentioned to Vic G, I'm like, that's why there's cameras there, um, like official cameras, <laughs> as Elliot said. And he's like, well, I can't imagine they would go and check that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> let me tell you a story. <laughs> You've probably heard a thousand times in the podcast. But, yes, Chris had to actually go to the ice sky to get his chips back. So that does happen, and that's the proper way of doing it. So, But as Elliot says, too, I mean, um, again, good poker rooms. Verify with the dealer and the, the floor changing out. Um, you know, I, I love going to Thunder Valley and watching them do um, color-ups during breaks, even when I'm not in it, because they're very professional about it, and they're always – um, Asking Whoever's doing the change I'd always ask somebody to confirm it Twice actually I think they do a double confirmation So it doesn't mean mistakes don't happen But they're very careful about it And so you know They can go back And talk to the folks involved And then, and then Like I said In mean, the worst case They're going to go up And check surveillance If it holds up the tournament a little bit To make sure somebody's right That's right but they're certainly not going to, like, oh, I'm sorry, here's your phone. <laughs> Here you go, here's 12,000 more chips. <laughs> exactly.
0: I mean, you could have taken that picture of your stuff a week ago when you had a big stack at that moment and then done a screen grab of that photo to show the timestamp that you just, yeah. you know, yep. there's, there's all kinds ones. of things you could do to, to oh, yeah, because all poker players are honest. <laughs> hey, so uh, oh. because we're taping early, we're not going to have an O'Malley's movies. We're going to give him the week off. He doesn't even know it yet, but he's getting a vacation. So he'll be back next week. So we're going to get the hand of the week now.
1: Alright, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiummagazine.com. <laughs> yep. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site, and our good Canadian friend Eric Wellman is in the house today with the Hand of the Week. And uh, Alright, so, so he says it was Canada Day, and I was at Caesars-Windsor in their nightly $70 tournament. Uh, that's a fun casino i'm not gonna re- replay the whole story but that uh i hope they've improved <laughs> from, the, from the time i was there it was a comedy of errors when i was there before too but anyhow so he's in the nightly 70 dollar tournament there and according to the dealer, she says sunday tournaments usually had two or three tables but because canada day fell on the sunday people got monday off instead canadians have a national right to one long weekend a month <laughs> and yes <that'd laughs> a day in december which no Canadian even knows what Boxing Day is. But uh, since we didn't have to work the next day, the tournament ended up starting with eight tables, and in the end had 104 players uh, and or rebuys, the first place prize of Squiggly 1,400. This hand takes place in level three with blinds at 150, 300, and I am in the cutoff with Squiggly 7,000 chips in front of me. Uh, Everyone, which is five people, limps uh, to me, and he says, this has happened to me a few times so far, and any races had to be significantly large to get anyone to fold. I'd already learned that once, that if my race was too small and I got a call it, caused a domino effect of, quote, well, now I have the odds to call two from the other limpers. I looked down at it, two black tens.
0: I think this is interesting because it's one of those borderline, if you're going to make it, you know, Three X, it'd be like nine hundred. But then you got the limpers, and it seems like um, you're putting out a pretty big amount of your stack here. I almost, I almost consider shoving. Almost. I don't know if I would shove. That seems too drastic, but it's so borderline. Yeah. Because if you're tough. saying right, if you say like a lot of guys are doing twenty big blinds, so twenty big blinds is six thousand. So you're right there. So if you're making it a raise, you know, I definitely, I think I'm not limping. I mean, I, I'm definitely going to raise with them. Just calling, especially with a bunch of limpers is not a good idea. Because then you're just turning it set mine. I think you get got some value for 10s. Well, I realize they're not, you know, they're not a big pair. They're, you know, it's still a decent pair. I think you need to get value and get those people out of there. Because you're never going to have any confidence in any flop other than maybe all unders or a ten. So, I don't know. I I wonder if you would shove. I, I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm going to guess that you okay. might shove there. I don't know. You're kind of the short stack ninja too, though.
1: I will tell you, I decided what I'm going to do before you started. So what, what you said has no influence on what I okay. do. Um, okay.
0: All right. Cool. I I think you would shove. I would consider shoving at this point, but I think I probably would just make it like two grand. But that's just that's a that's a little less than third of my stack. Or yeah. I guess you can get away with raising it. I feel like if it's more than five you know, ten percent of your stack, then you might as well just shove. So I don't know. I, I I think in the moment I probably would shove here. Um but if you're not gonna shove, I think you still gotta make it like two grand, get these guys out of there and have a, a decent hand to to go in with and, and have control of the hand. So if I'm gonna play it I'm gonna raise or shove. I I'm gonna I'm gonna raise just so we continue with the hand, but I probably would shove if I was in, like, one of our tournaments on the cruise ship or something.
1: All right, I'm going to limp here. Oh, you're going to limp. <clears throat> and, and here's the reason is, one, um, as you mentioned, we do have value here, but I think our value here with our chip stack and, and everything else considered is with the set mining. We throw 300 in here, and if we hit our 10, then we got a good chance of um, getting a lot of chips out of this, and if not, then we only put 300 in. Uh, normally, uh, I would do the standard raise, which at this point, accounting for the limpers, would be about twenty-two fifty. Uh But you're right, now that's a third of our, our, our stack now, and so what do we do after that, right? So if the flop comes with an ace or king, queen, or jack, are we going to surrender a third of our stack now, or are we going to have to bluff at that? And if we bluff at that, I think our next bet is going to be the rest of our chips. So... If that's the case, then I think you go back to what you struggled with. Do we shove here? And with 7,000 at 300 level with 1,500 in there, that seems a little ridiculous to me. Maybe it's not. I mean, you know, hey, we pick up 1,500, um, or plus the blinds too. I mean, so, you know, almost 2,000, I guess. Um, that's not bad, I guess. So I, I really think your options here are to uh, limp and, and set mine, or as crazy as a sound shove and hope to pick up 2k here or get heads up where you feel more confident
0: yeah because you know what you said that he had squiggly 7,000 right so we don't know it's 7,000 if it's like 68 you're only 800 over what you 20 blinds a lot of people's threshold is 20 big blinds now in this new era and there's a ton of limpers and if I'm limping with them then I'm wasting the tens when I don't hit the flop but if I shove I can take down 2 grand that's a third of my stack almost I think I think I'm shoving and if somebody calls you, well, the they're going to have yeah. to have a better hand. To hit. You know
1: what I mean? Yeah. The other thing, too, is we're only in level three, too, and we're already – we're not short-stacked yet, but we're going to be short-stacked pretty soon.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So, I mean, you probably do need to make a move, and maybe this is the time to make that move. And, I yeah, I, I could defend either. I, I don't think – would you do the math, right, I don't think you can defend anything but limping or shoving here, so – all right. Our right. it says, I calculate that a standard raise of three times the big blind plus the big blind for every limper would have me putting 2,400 in, um, but it's just tens, echoes in my mind. <laughs> Think about a smaller raise to 1,000 to see if that in the, the field, but was was of so many people in the hand not being scared away. Uh, so I limped in with the intent to set mine. Okay. All right. That's one of the two options, so. Uh, the bottom calls. small blind folds. <laughs> he says they must have taken a poker 101 lesson from Scott on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big blind checks. The blob comes the ace of clubs, king of hearts, jack of spades. Big blind checks, under the gun checks, and a middle position player bets 1000 into the pot of 2550 He had squiz- squiggly 9000 behind, and it folds to us.
0: <laughs> mm, see? I mean, now you're out. I don't see how you call with three overs in a gutter. If you hit your 10, it's not good because somebody's going to have a queen because someone's going to think it's cheap enough to call for a queen probably in their hand. So I, I just, you know, I now you're, I mean, you're done with the hand. I I don't know how you call, how do you call a 1,000 and call 300, 1,300 and not just make that raise anyway? If you're going to bet that money with three overs, you might as well just get it all in or raise pre-flop with not having to see the flop. You know, this would, this would have hurt now because you would have... Of course, you could have represented any of these cards now if you had raised pre preflop. Um, but to me, the limping now, you've got to let it go, and you've wasted 300, but at least you only wasted 300. You can't call or raise this guy because there's no way you believe it. I'm not going to waste 1,000 on this, so I'm out
1: of there. Yeah, I think this is an easy fold at this point, because really all we're shooting for now is, uh, is uh, one of right. the four queens. Yeah, we were, we were I mean,
0: hoping for the set earlier, so yeah, we did get there.
1: The 10, the Ten is not going to, I don't think it's going to help me now, because now i got to worry about somebody having a queen. Yep, exactly. It, which, I really want to hit a queen here now and, and have Broadway, so, um, and this is um, a seventh of our, our stack, and that definitely gets us down to the short stack at this point, so you know, this is a good thing. So we limped, it only cost us three hundred. It was worked with three hundred to see if we could flop or set. We didn't we didn't hit it. Boom, move on, another hand coming. Yep. I agree. Alright, probably not gonna happen because it's hand of the week, right?
0: <laughs> That's right, it can't happen. It'll be all over. It'd be like, all right, I'm Chris Crossenda.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So our hero says I think for a bit, he says my two tens reduced the chances of a ten in anyone else's hands, so I so a flop straight was less likely. Ace-King or Ace-Jack probably wouldn't have just limped in. King-Jack may have limped, but two paint cards may have excited these people enough that it may have been a raising hand. This could be a probing bet from someone with Ace-Rag, a single face card, or a Queen on a straight draw. I was leaning towards it being a probing bet, and since the field had thinned significantly, I finally convinced myself to uh, decide to call, thinking I should have raised to 1,000 preflops so I didn't have to make this hard decision. Well, I I don't think raising a thousand pre flop was going to avoid that as was hard five limpers. No yeah, way. You're going to get at least two callers on that, and we would be back in the same spot, but with more money out of your stack. So, um, he says, I uh, may have also thought uh, this is totally a float, and a queen is going to hit next uh, because the waiter hadn't brought me a coffee yet, and I've been driving all day to get Windsor to get the win. <laughs> Uh, The button calls, everyone else gets out of the way, and it's three to the turn with a pot of 55.50, and that turn is the Ten of Hearts. So our board now is Ace of Clubs, King of Hearts, Jack of Spades, Ten of Hearts. Uh, He says, the undergun checks so fast I had to pause to think about whether he'd seen the Ten or if it was just a check in the dark. It was suspicious, and I felt like he was either giving up on his attempt to buy the pot or setting up a check raise. Uh, So I had to sit on a scary board. A queen is definitely in the range of either of the other two players, and it's on us now.
0: Uh, so I just don't think this 10 helps us. I'm gonna wait till the board pairs, so I'm gonna try to get to the river as cheap as possible. The board yeah, doesn't we, pair, then whatever. Right,
1: if we stick around here, I'll be happy with that and see what happens. And I mean, there's a lot of money in this pot now. There's 5,500 in there, and you know if we can check it down and win with our set, that's good for me. But yeah, I gotta check. You know this queen. I'm just, I'm just so scared of this queen out there, and it's not a monsters under the bed thing. It's I, I think it's very legitimate that one of these two players has a queen.
0: Yeah, I just I don't think that three tens beats a straight, does it? <laughs>
1: so we're gonna have to. Uh, uh, no, no, it doesn't. Yeah,
0: we're gonna have to check uh, here and hope that we pair the board and can get to the river for cheap price.
1: Um, all right. So our hero says. After thinking for a while, he checks. He says, "I figure a queen is going to go for a value bet, and I can reevaluate." Uh, the button thinks for about thirty seconds before shoving for fifty-five hundred. I'm sorry, squiggly fifty-five hundred. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. Uh, the insta- under the gun insta folds, and it's back to us.
0: Yeah, you can't call. I mean, that's your entire, basically, your tournament life, um, and to hold the board pairs. Yeah. Or that you the guy's bluffing, which he could be bluffing, but I doubt it. People don't usually put their tournament life on the line, especially in Canada. With a bluff, <laughs> Canadians are so nice. I don't think they'd That's be lying. Trunk. You know, bluff is a lie. I don't think that they're bluffing uh, here. This is not a, a place to bluff. I mean, it could be. You know, some people can just be that bold or whatever. But uh, the shove is interesting. You know, I mean that maybe he's protecting his hand from. Uh, hearts, or maybe he's thinking, you know, hey, I don't want to get somebody to get this straight on the board for free and I want to take this pot down now while I can, and I don't want the board to pair, maybe somebody has two pair. So, I mean, he, he could be thinking like that, uh, and it probably is the right bet when you consider how much is out there and how much you need to do, you know, how much you have in your stack. If you're going to bet the right amount, it's going to be more than half your stack, so you might as well shove and get them all fold and take it down now and double your stack. So, to me, I think that's probably the right move with this guy. If this guy does have the straight, believe it or not, um, because he doesn't want the flushes and the two pairs to fill up or the or even sets, which I don't think there would be sets in his thinking because pre flop before the ten gets there on the turn, if somebody had a set already they would have bet it to protect it, and they didn't really bet it so what was there one one bet of a thousand or whatever so I don't know i feel like I feel like this guy is is uh is probably protecting his hand by shoving so we're way behind and we have to ass Scott likes to say. We're behind. Um, <laughs> so I think we, we need
1: to uh, fold still. I, I well, don't think this, this is good. Is, think about this. So this guy's bluffing, he's bluffing against two hands, right? Right. And there's two opponents here. Um, so he's got to be pretty confident that this bluff can get rid of two. If it was just us left, we've been very passive at this hand, and I could see the bluff maybe has more va- more validity there because you know we've been so passive that we're going to put 5,500 in and we're going to fold very quickly and, and he's going to take down this pot with anything. But with two players in, including one that had bet before, um, I think he's got to be pretty confident that he's got a hand here. Um,
0: yeah, the guy had bet before, you're right. So that that for that guy to shove and bluff, it's hard to bluff two people than it is to bluff one, and one of them is a better onto that first initial you know, Broadway-ridden board. So, um, yeah. I, I think uh, you're
1: you know, right. It's a $60 tournament, right? So, I mean, it's possible somebody could be overvaluing two pair here, and we have that beat. But, but you know, again, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, the other guy got out of the way, so now it's just us at this point. So, I, I don't know. The, the, I don't see any, any way you can talk me into making this call.
0: No, me neither. Me neither. And actually, I mean, you got away with trying to hit your set on the flop, for cheap. And then you paid that thousand, but it, that was probably the biggest mistake right there. Was was yeah. the,
1: But you're still at 20 big blinds. So. You're still
0: at 20 big blinds, so now you got to get in the shove mode. But at least, uh, I don't know, I think if you
1: shove preflop, but the
0: money was taken down two, two and a half grand or whatever, and you'd be in a better place. so, But I think you have to fold here now.
1: Yeah. All right. After briefly considering maybe the board repair, I finally fold, and button pushes cards in the muck saying I didn't want anyone to hit their heart flush. So he had something, but I'm not certain it was a straight. Did he really think someone with two hearts was hanging around hoping for a runner-runner flush? Um, Well, again, $60 tournament. I don't know what people think on that level all the time, right? So he got to the point where there's two hearts and um, you know, could have had a straight. He could have
0: had had the king of clubs in his hand, then he hit the king and said, "All right, well maybe it's taking a stab at it or it's worth Whatever, and then a heart comes on a turn, or or we could have had uh, the ace of hearts. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm thinking reverse. He could have like something like the ace of hearts in his hand with another heart, and then he hit the ace and stuck around, and then another heart came on a turn. So he didn't have to go run a runner, runner to hit a flush. He could have just backed into four a four flush on the turn, and that's what he's protecting against. Somebody could have done that. So it's not that they're stuck around for that. They could have had a pair of jacks that had two hearts. They could have had a pair of aces that had two hearts. And very commonly, people limp with ace rag heart suited. So, you know, I I, I understand that comment. It's not a bad comment to make. Um, and you could have also meant too. He does somebody to make a boat either, in case two pairs or sets did happen to, which did happen to actually happen here on a turn. So, uh, I I think the lesson we learn here is, if it's borderline, on the pre flop, you either shove. Or limp and stick with the plan. If if three overs come, you just—I think you wasted a thousand units right there. Yeah. Right. Yep. You just get out. Yep. That's the plan. Get out with the plan. I mean, sometimes plans change, but in this case, you had three overs, three to Broadway, and you were only investing three hundred of your seven grand. Now you've got another thousand off, so you still have twenty big blinds. It's not a big deal. I don't know how you did in this tournament, but uh, at that point, I think I would have decided to either shove or limp. Yeah, I talked about raising though. It's weird. I mean, I think there is a there is an argument for raising preflop, um, but it's so close to borderline because all the yeah, limpers, you know, it's like a shove.
1: Yeah, if you if you really felt that you could win the pot with that bet or get heads up, then yeah, maybe you make that. You can make that, but even if you if you get heads up, like I said, you still have to fade. I mean, if an ace king jack or queen comes on the flop you know, what do you do now? Do you check behind? Now you just threw away, th- a, not necessarily threw away a 30 per stack, but now you've, you've gone from strength to weakness. Yeah. And what do you do on the turn unless the 10 comes at that point? So that, that's the real problem for me with, with, with that raise there is your hand is good, but it's so vulnerable. And, you know, if you have a deeper stack, then you could play a little bit differently, but you know, I don't think you could put any more money in this pot when an overcard comes. Yeah. I you here. So, at that point, that's why I think you're you're better off going back to the either the limp or ray, or shove. At yeah, point. I
0: think you're right because the raise to me is a third of your stack. And that, what's the rule? Where it's if it's over ten percent of your stack, the proper raise, you might as well shove. That would have been a third of your stack, so you might as well shove. So it's either shove or limp. And you're right. I think I think either way, he could have saved a thousand. That's probably the best he could have gotten away right. with. Right. I'm fine. All right. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables.
1: AntiUp is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.